0: Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the Back of the Range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the Back of the Range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 268. Well, if you're wondering where I am right now, you'll know that my summer of amateur coverage currently has me at Sunset Ridge Country Club in Northfield, Illinois, for the Women's Western Amateur Championship. Some of the best female amateurs in the country are here this week. Always a pleasure working side by side with the great people at the Women's Western Golf Association and also very excited to head to in a couple weeks for the Western Amateur. So I'll be back in the Chicago area very soon But I'm immediately leaving the Women's Western to head to Chattanooga at the conclusion of this championship for the Chattanooga Choo Choo Invitational at Council Fire Golf Club. First time I've been there. My guest on this episode, well, I saw him at the Northeast Am and before I see him at the Western Am, we're both headed to Chattanooga where he'll be defending his title at the Choo Choo Invitational. Joining me at the back of the range is Tyler Johnson from Knoxville, Tennessee. During our discussion, we spoke about his collegiate career in the state of Tennessee that actually involved three separate schools. Ultimately, he completed his collegiate career at the University of Tennessee after transferring from Middle Tennessee State University when his coach, Brennan Webb, took the job at UT. So we spoke about his career and what really flipped the switch in his game. Clearly what he is doing is working. Last summer at Council Fire, well, they should kind of name a wing after him in the clubhouse because he won the State Am there and the Choo Choo, and the State Am he won in record fashion. More about that during our conversation. Now, a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure that you're following Choo Choo Invitational on Instagram. Also, if you haven't started following the Women's Western, go to Golf on Instagram. That's where you will see a lot of the content that's been created. Remember, all episodes are available on the website, thebackoftherange.com, and that is where you can find merch. We're out of hoodies, but there's more on the way, and there's more hats, and there's some other surprises coming very shortly to the merch shop. So... Let's get this episode started. Tyler, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm uh, I'm awesome. Getting uh, getting ramped up for for a, a a busy few weeks, just like you are. I think we're probably going to be crossing paths a couple times throughout these uh, next several weeks. Um, we actually decided to just hit the record button because we've been talking about hunting and 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 duck hunting and deer hunting and 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 just things that are outside my scope of expertise and that's nobody, none of the listeners want to know how uninformed I am about, uh, duck hunting and, 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 and deer hunting. And, and yeah, that's, that's not what's going to be a successful venture for the podcast here, but, um, we'll talk a little bit later about what you do in the off season, but, uh, you're just coming off of a trip to the sunny Hannah trip to the Northeast amateur, and now we're getting ramped up for a few other things. So I guess we can kick things off by talking about how do you stay fresh when you're playing multiple tournaments in a row? What is maybe a key to your success to kind of keep things, I guess, yeah, keep your body fresh and just keep your mind fresh?
1: I usually try to take a little bit of time in between um, events like that, especially when we're like playing two weeks in a row like that. Yeah, uh, just to Just to kind of reflect on the week and try and figure out what I did well and what I did Poorly, and just you know, take a minute to look back on that, and then figure out what I need to practice moving forward. Um, I don't really like to take too big of a break because you kind of lose feelings that you had. Like there, were, I, I didn't play phenomenal the last two weeks, but they're like little things that were kind of moving in the right direction. You want to kind of hang on to those, but really just to kind of look back at those events without the ego or you know, just like poor mental thoughts that were coming in and just try and figure it out and move forward.
0: Are you, when you have off weeks, are you more of a let's go get some work done on the range uh, kind of player? Or are you more like, let's go get some buddies and go play 18 holes and crank some music and just kind of keep the swing a little bit looser? How, how do you approach that off time? Because like you said, you, you want to keep playing, you want to keep sharp, but also I'm I'm guessing you also don't want to, dive into uh you know taxing yourself mentally when you're supposed to have an off week
1: yeah i, I try to find a balance between practice and playing um for me when we go pl- when i go play with my buddies or just go play by myself like we, we try to keep it competitive and so you're still going through the proper processes of you know not necessarily hitting every flag because i, I noticed that like when, when we got done at regionals, I was just playing around with my buddies for a little bit, you know, a week or two before the summer tournaments really started. And I was, you know, you go out and play and you're just, you you's peg a tee in the ground, you rip a driver, you find it and you hit it at the flag. And that, that type of golf just doesn't really work um, right. at these elite amateur events, so, you know, high level, high level golf courses, high level competition. So I, I tried to stay locked into the like process. That I would normally do in tournaments but um you know it's still nice to go out and listen to music and have some fun but you know you just have to be
0: mindful of it so uh I, I like what you just said right there about you know just teeing it up finding it hitting it at the flag doesn't prepare you for this elite amateur um series that you're playing in then also just any any high level uh amateur events I think that's something that maybe most listeners that play their casual game or even if they play in a club championship, they're maybe not thinking about. I don't know if you can maybe walk through an example at the Northeast or or the Son of Hannah of maybe a hole where you know what you have to do off the tee and then you know you can't fire to pin. Can you maybe, and this is, I'm not sure if you have an example that you can think of off the top of your head, but how do you actually approach a golf hole?
1: Um, I, I guess for me, I, I usually tend to lean more on the uh, conservative side off the tee okay. because like, I just, I hate the, the feeling of like trying to do a little bit too much off the tee and you m- make a bad swing or you have a mental error and you hit a bad tee ball on an easy hole and it just kind of, you know, inhibits you from making an easy par on that hole or even having a chance of birdie. So like, for me, it starts on the tee. You know, just try and get it. Getting it in play is the number one goal, especially at difficult golf courses. and then just kind of playing in from there. I think a good example of that for me where I did a good job of it was on 18 at the Northeast Wanamoisa. Yeah,
0: um,
1: it's a pretty long hole. I think it's like 430, 440, um, but it's a dogleg left, and there's OB up the left side, and the wind. um, I think the first three rounds was kind of down off the left, and for me, like I, I hit a fade, and the end of the fairway is 290
0: Right. With that so I was like fairway bunker on yeah. the right hand side. Yeah, it's a very odd driving hole. I've seen. I saw a lot of different approaches. So you're right. There's bunkers left. There's bunkers right. There's trees right. So there's. You're right. It's. It's just to set the stage for the listener visually. It's. Just like you said, it, it's a little bit of an odd tee shot.
1: Yeah, and especially for someone like myself that hits a little bit of a fade, like it just doesn't really set up well. Like if I hit driver there, I'm probably hitting it on the driving range or behind a tree, right, over the right, and, or you know, you just don't want to make that weird quick left swing there. That's a scary one. So, if, like the first three rounds, I was just hitting three wood, and I had 170 to 190 yards into that hole and guys were hitting wedge in but for me like just making a par on that hole versus bringing in a bogey or worst was just more important and I, I actually played the hole I think I played an even par for the week and I had three wood the first three rounds and got a good it was into off the right the last round so I hit driver and that's right. when I saw you over there and I still was in the right first cut
0: yeah
1: so but just just being mindful of that because it like and that green's huge like I I I was comfortable hitting six seven eight iron in there versus a wedge just to just to ensure that I was in play and had a chance
0: so this is just if I'm understanding what you're saying this is kind of one of those holes that when you're playing the practice round and you're obviously playing more rounds uh, throughout the tournament you're kind of looking at 18 as a hole where whether you're I mean obviously you start on 10 and one in the first two rounds so you had you know multiple looks at it so you're kind of looking at 18 as let's just make sure the par is secure and if we happen to roll one in we roll one in but let's do exactly okay so so this is not an attack hole this is a let's just make par move on and and not have it spoil around
1: Yep, exactly. But, I mean, you're still giving, giving yourself a chance to hit a sure. good shot in there. Like sure. me, me being in the fairway from 190 is better than in in one of those deep fairway bunkers on the left or yep. behind a tree 40 yards closer. And the, But it's not always that case for every hole. Like every hole is different. Some holes that you might not be comfortable on it, but you could be better off with 120 in out of the rough. But for that hole specifically, in my mind, it just wasn't worth it for me.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's the difference between a uh, top level amateurs and maybe the, the, you know, the casual golfer or someone that's not that level they're looking at, well, there's 18 holes I can make birdie on or 18 holes I can make par in. and yes, you can make birdie on every hole, but you're looking at this as, you know, how, how do I, how do I keep my round going and not get tripped up just by a tee shot?
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I would rather be comfortable over a shot anyway. And, for me, hitting driver there with that down left, left to right wind was just not comfortable at all.
0: Yeah. So, native of um, Knoxville, Tennessee, you have, I think, if I'm, I mean, th- obviously, you just concluded your collegiate career at uh, at UT, but uh, not where you got your start. I'm really interested and fascinated nope. by your 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 start in uh, in in golf and also just your entire collegiate career. You went, <clears throat> excuse me, so you were committed. I believe, to Tennessee Tech coming out of Farragut High School. Talk to yes. me just a little bit about your start in the game and, and how you found your way into uh, into playing golf.
1: Gosh, my, my dad had been playing golf since high school, so he, he introduced it to me when I was young. I mean, I, I remember hitting golf balls when I was three or four at the house, just like little brief memories of... <laughs> You know, trying to hit it over the fence in the backyard and stuff like that. But still I, I still had baseball. still had the fade going, yeah. right? You still had the fade going. Oh, after, yeah, I was okay. still hitting a little cut right. at I that understand. point. I
0: understand.
1: Okay. But, <laughs> well, I, I played baseball for a little while when I was young, and that's kind of where the fade swing came in, I guess. It just like those mechanics are so different, kind of over the top. Yeah. I still have to battle those baseball swing mechanics out of my golf swing, but I did that for a while and then you know just played. I really picked it up in middle school pick golf up in middle school played started playing TJ events um, played all the way through middle school all the way through high school and we had a really good competitive high school team so I think that helped us out a lot we had five guys on the team that could they could potentially play D1 or you know gone to like Brian Clark played D2 golf at Lee University and they win national championships. Like it's nothing like uh-huh. we had five really good players. Um, but got into that, uh, played really well in high school with that team. And then, I uh, had an opportunity to go to Tennessee tech and I really hadn't, didn't have any other options or offers at that point. Uh, so I was thankful for that, but, um, uh, towards the end of my senior year I started playing really well I won an AJGA started getting a little bit more attention um and then so I decided to verbally decommit from Tennessee Tech just to kind of look around at my options because you know things had changed and that was really hard for me to do I hated I hated doing that um but you know looked at my options and Coach Webb popped up he was at a um one of our high school matches watching chip play because chip was going to middle at that point um so got introduced to him after i'd be committed and then you know decided to go that route and then i redshirted my freshman year there had a lot had a lot to learn and Webb had me change a bunch of stuff you know just get on the right track and that was kind of the beginning of um that process golf where you're thinking things through because up until that point, I had just played off of pure talent. Like I just hit everything as hard as I could. <laughs> there was no there zero fear. There was no flag. That wasn't a go go green light flag. Right.
0: Right. 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 So
1: I had to tone it back a little bit and learn how to actually play the game correctly. And I, I played really well, um, the year after my red shirt year.
0: That that yeah. year that year had to have been really. Uh, I mean, you're coming out of high school where I'm guessing you know you guys are, are. I mean, just like you said, very very strong team in high school. So you're thinking, hey, I got this figured out, and then oh, yeah. go, and then you're going to college, which is obviously a, a huge jump, just culturally and socially and academically, and everything's changing there. And then you have this coach that recruits you, which obviously you know uh, you know Brenner Webb, great great coach. But now he's like, all right, listen. All that stuff that got you through in high school, yeah, we're going to just scrap that. and 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 So, like, how do you, at that young of an age where you're meeting all sorts of different people and now you have a new coach, a new, uh, you know, everything's new, and he's like, we're going to fix everything or we're going to change. Like, what was that year like?
1: I mean, at the time, to me, it was pretty terrible. Right? Uh, no. Uh, okay. That's like, what I'm like guessing. That, that transition and that redshirt year is it, the first couple months of it when, you, like, when you know that you're redshirting, are terrible because you just don't understand. Like, you, you just cannot see the big picture yet at that point. But that that redshirt year was the best thing that could have happened to me. Okay. Because not only it gave me another year of college golf to play, where I have the experience and the knowledge to do well, but like you just it's more of that reflection time where you just sit back and you're like, obviously what I'm doing right now is not working. So I need to change things. Like, and I resented it at first. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. But you know, luckily um, my brain actually started functioning properly after that.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for mine and I'm 45 years old. So you're way ahead of the
1: game. Well, at times I'm not really sure if it's working yet, but okay. Uh <laughs> but you know, you just you know, kind of realize some things, you know, and you put the work in and you get the results from it. And that next year I got the results from it. I played ten times better than I would have if I hadn't redshirted, if I would have just gone straight into it. Well, you know, I mean, and, and you, yeah. you kind of learn how to fight too, because like I was I w- I wasn't qualifying well even though I was red shirted. Like you, you still play in qualifiers and it's not like I was up there nipping people's heels like beating people like i was uh, still middle of the pack you know back half so you you learn how to fail and how to get better and just move on
0: yeah well you had i mean a really great i mean red shirt and then the next season you actually play your i mean yeah it's your freshman season where you're playing and you, you end up being conference usa freshman of the year so that that's a massive jump from not only you know, you can't crack your, can't crack your own lineup. And then now you're the best freshman in the conference. And, uh, you know, to learn all that in just one year, I'm guessing there are just a ton of different things you learn, not just from coach, but also from looking at upperclassmen and saying, okay, these are, these are college golfers. They they've been through what I'm about to go through. They've figured it out. Is there maybe one thing I know it's probably a tough one, but above everything else, one thing that you kind of added to your game or one thing that you had to figure out that led to, to this, to your success?
1: Um, goodness. I mean, there's so many things, but I guess the, the biggest one for me that kind of kickstarted it where you could kind of like, I, I could have that trust in coach Webb. That, like what he was telling me was correct was right. he, he made me, um, Hit one club less on every iron shot. So, like if I had 180 yards, normally I'd hit a seven iron. He made me hit a six. Okay. For that entire red shirt year. So, oh, wow. I, so I learned. And like I said, I, I resented everything at that point. So it's not like I did it every time, but at least like practicing that, I learned how to hit shots yeah. versus just full. Like everything was full before that. So, I learned how to hit shots. And then you kind of you kind of get a, a, addicted to like hitting those different shots. Yeah. Like, it's like, could I could I hit a six iron from one forty here? Like, when the wind gets up, you're like you just it just kind of opens your mind to all the different shots, and your you know your um, imagination kind of gets a little bit better. And you you but then the next step is learning when to hit those shots. So it's just like all of that just kind of. Cultivated the golf swing and the shots that I hit now.
0: That sounds, and you know, what's so funny is that that actually sounds like a much more enjoyable way and interesting way to play the game, as opposed to you know, get the laser out, shoot the flag. Okay, it's one eighty. Yeah, I can hit a seven iron. I can hit a seven iron one eighty, and I have the ability to carry it that far. So that must be the club. That's just a very binary form of golf, as opposed to okay 180 do i want to you know cut something in there uh what's the wind doing so you're actually opening up your mind to the different possibilities
1: oh yeah and then along with the the shots that you could hit so where do you where do you want the golf ball to end up
0: oh like, yeah there's that too right
1: <laughs> yeah it's not it's, there's, there's an unbelievable amount of variables but yeah. it's just like Half the time, like especially when I'm playing well and I'm thinking through my shots really well, like the flag doesn't even exist other than just kind of a point that I want to like, where do I want to, where do I want to putt from?
0: Yeah.
1: Where, where on the green is it easier to even just hit? Cause sometimes the, the golf courses that we play are so difficult that you're just aiming at sections of the green and the pin doesn't even matter. Like it's kind of more just like a guideline of yep. what side you, of the green you want to hit it on, but not necessarily going at everything.
0: So you're more charting, maybe in a practice round or when you're getting ready to tackle a golf course. You are more charting, maybe quadrants of the green as opposed to pins.
1: In in a sense, yes. Like yeah. the the pin is kind of like there, there's obviously pins that you want to go at, and sure. it, it depends on what club you have in. Like if I have a hundred yards in, it's, I'm yeah, I might be aiming five feet left or right of the flag, whether Whereas if I had 180 yards in, I'm aiming, you know, five to 10 yards left or right of the flag. Like it just, it kind of varies.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, you have this great, you have this great run at middle Tennessee and this is really, I think this is the first time I've had this kind of conversation with a guest where. Well, many, many players transfer. I mean, now, obviously, with the transfer portal, it's it's almost like every summer seems to be like free agency season for college yeah. golf. Like, everyone's like, where are you going or what are you thinking? But you transfer from Middle Tennessee State to the University of Tennessee, and it's obviously not because of anything against the program or you didn't like your coach because you followed Coach Webb to Tennessee. So this is really interesting where you leave a program – go to a new you go to a new program but it's it's the same coach so you know the culture before any of your teammates do oh yeah so how was that environment where like you're walking in almost like i mean not to not to paint into this kind of classification but it, it's like it's almost like you're the little league coach's son coming in and yeah. and, and it's like how is, <laughs> how was that because i'm guessing the guys at tennessee were like all right, we got a new coach, and oh yeah, he brought Tyler Johnson. And ha- I mean, how does that work?
1: Well, it definitely wasn't easier. Uh, it's not like Coach Webb was, you know, easier on me since he had had me before. <laughs> he's probably he's probably harder, if anything, which is good. Like, right? You need you need that, and I'm I'm really thankful for that. But I, I'm just, I was just happy to be there.
0: Right. Like it
1: was, I was just from the levels that I had gone up, like I was just extremely fortunate to be playing D one sec golf oh, at yeah. the university. of Tennessee. Like that was, that was something I never thought I would be able to participate in. So that, that was awesome for me. But the, the culture side of it was, was nice because I knew what web expected and I knew kind of how things were going to operate, but it's still like, I guess that first year, like, coming to Tennessee, it, it still wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't like my team or anything. Right. Like we, we, we had all known each other, which helped a lot, but it's still like, you're another, a, a different guy from another team coming in with the new coach, like just kind of a, a, a weird. Yeah. Um it's just a weird interaction at first, but the, I mean, it was great because we all knew each other from, Junior golf, so it was the transition was really easy. We just got straight to work, you know. There was no conflict with anything. We just locked in, and they were able to trust Coach Webb and what he was doing. And we all just started working really well. And that that first year with Coach Webb was awesome because it was just very goal based. Like we were just just one thing after the other. What's the next thing that we need to accomplish? And we all work together for it. And it was it was just awesome.
0: Well, you have, uh, there's a guy on your team that I still have to get on the podcast. I I, I even texted him this morning. I'm like, Hey man, I didn't forget about you. I still want to hear some stories from your career at Tennessee, but, um, your, your last time I saw you at the Northeast, Dam, you're, you're rocking the the playoff, the elite amateur series, playoff beard. And any chance I get to ask uh, questions about Hunter Wolcott's facial hair, um, oh. I, I don't know why I have a, such a fascination with this, but it's, it's a lot. It's, it's either he can grow a beard in, in 30 minutes, or there's just a, a handlebar mustache that is literally looks like he just fell out of the movie tombstone or something, but um, <laughs> yeah. there's gotta be a Hunter Wolcott story that you can share to kind of tease the listeners of what they're going to get in the full episode with Hunter Wolcott. Um, give me a good one on that guy.
1: Um, well, the, his facial hair is definitely elusive. He he changes it up more than I do. Like I I I, th- I just shaved my beard off, so I don't I don't even have it anymore. But he he can transition from the handlebar to a full beard in like twenty seconds. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. It's insane. But <laughs> I don't I actually I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know what he's rocking right now, but I'm sure it's it's something special. But he yeah. You know, that that podcast with him is gonna be fun. He's a <laughs> great guy. Uh, man of many talents.
0: Yeah. He he looks like he, he looks like he's been about thirty-two years old for the last three years that I've seen him.
1: Oh yeah. I was scared of him in junior golf. <laughs> he's, he's a grown man out there. And I'm like I've always been little. I was like five seven, hundred and thirty-five pounds, just like thinking it out there eighty yards behind him. But it was he's, he's a great teammate and a great guy so it was awesome
0: yeah he's he's gonna be uh yeah that's that just that sounds like such a really interesting uh ex- experience going to that new program and then, and then you're playing sec and just i mean you're you know who you're facing you got georgia and you got florida and you got you know vandy and all these incredible programs was that kind of a weird transition coming in where you're like okay i've kind of graduate. And, and it's, I'm so glad you brought up all, you know, never thought you'd play D one, but yeah, the steps you've gone through, it's incredible. I mean, just going up from, you know, thinking that you're going to play Tennessee tech, cause that was your only option and then middle Tennessee and then to UT. Um, I mean, you gotta be sitting at SEC champions thinking, wow, how did I get here?
1: Yeah. I'm just grateful to be there, which is, which is a good thing because it, like there's not a whole lot to complain about at that point. Like, there's no negatives when, when you're, when you're there at that point, like it's just, just happy to be there. So you might as well just go compete and do the best that you can, but it wasn't, it wasn't a like a shock um, to me because when we were at middle, like we weren't incredible the first year that I was there, but web web made us good yeah. by just like, the way he would talk to us before a tournament, he's like, you guys have absolutely nothing to lose. So there's no reason to go out there and play with any fear or play with like any negative thoughts in your mind, just go have fun and just like go get after these guys. So they just hunt them down. And we just, I think we played that our first year at Tennessee like that too, because like you're kind of an underdog in that situation, like new coach, bunch of new guys. We I mean we had fourteen people on the team at that point. And it's just like it's kind of chaos in a sense. But we just you know, you just lock in like you you know that you're better than those guys in the back of your mind. Right. And you just have to you have to believe that and have that belief in yourself that you're just gonna you're gonna do better. And even if they're physically better than you, like you're just gonna you're gonna just mentally wear them down by doing like following that process and doing everything that you can um, to not get in your own way.
0: I guess from one of the things that I've seen in college golf is like, everyone can hit it. Well, you know, everyone is, you know, technically is amazing, um, you know, on the golf course, but just what you said just kind of rung true, just like establishing that belief system. It's a belief system. It seems that the coaches that can get their players to, block all the noise out and believe in themselves and get after it those are the ones that are most successful because there's so many distractions you know you could be out there playing in a tournament thinking about qualifying for the next one so or or you know how's how's this gonna set me up for to play in conference or all the all these other things and you're not focused on the shot
1: no i mean that and that's why coach webb is such a good coach i mean he just he just teaches you to believe in yourself and then just constantly reminds you how good you actually are. Yeah. And, you know, staying focused on the task at hand is important too. So you're not thinking about qualifying when you get home. It's, you know, one tournament at a time, and then you just keep breaking it down into one round at a time and then every shot at a time. And it's just, you just repeat that same process over and over again.
0: Well, I want to talk a little bit about, last year, um, I know you're playing a busy schedule right now, uh, before you turn pro at the end of the summer. Um, but last year, you know, you say you're a conservative golfer. Um, (laughs) let's talk about the 2021 Tennessee state amateur. Um, yeah. So, I think if I have my notes correct here, you win, the, you win the State Am. You also win the Chattanooga Choo Choo Invitational, both on the same course, both, both at Council Fire. Yep. And you broke 11 records, 11 Tennessee Golf Association records on your way to the victory at, at Council Fire. You won by 14 shots. Yeah. 60. Yeah. This is the part of the episode where I embarrass you. So six, <laughs> right. 69, 65, 64, 63. You, you win by 14 over your teammate, Cade Russell. And I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say at this point. I'm, embar- <laughs> I'm embarrassed to be asked these questions. But um, first of all, Council Fire is, is a real golf course, it's not a pitch and putt. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Yeah. But um, I love the fact you mentioning that you played a lot of junior golf in Tennessee, really supporting the, the State Golf Association, the Junior Golf Association, by playing it. I know a lot of amateurs, once they kind of get to your level, they go after the invitations. But, you know, you win this championship. Did you have any inkling that something like that was going to happen? Um, you know, you won the choo-choo. I believe that, yeah, that you win the choo-choo first and then go, yeah. go back and play the state am. But the choo-choo you won by two shots. I mean, that actually, that scoreboard looks normal, so to speak.
1: Yes, that was a very competitive event. We were battling it out the last couple rounds.
0: Yeah, I mean, but still, like, can you maybe talk about those two tournaments? And did you see anything happening, uh, you know, at the stadium that you maybe, you know, did the choo-choo set you up for that? Walk me through how that happens.
1: Um, I guess... At the choo-choo, I had only played Council Fire one other time in the choo-choo the previous year. And I, I played okay, but didn't play extremely well. And there were just a couple things here and there, like course management-wise, that I was not doing properly to fit that golf course. And I, I think I kind of figured out that game plan at the choo-choo, um, where it was just conservative off the tee, and then, you know, just play the second shot in and whatever way fits that, that hole or that pin location. And um, the, the pin locations at the choo-choo are a little tougher. you got to be pretty mindful of where your misses are because there's, there's some areas on that golf course with certain pins where if you, you miss it by a foot, the wrong direction and the best score you're making is bogey. So I think at the choo-choo, I got a good understanding of, you know, just how to play the golf course uh, safely, I guess, just to minimize bogeys or, or worse. Because um, there you're just trying to make 18 pars, and if if you make a couple birdies, they, they just happen. You True. know, you're just letting them happen out there because it, it the green complexes are tough, and when the pins are tough, it's just like you're not you're not really going at stuff. It's kind of just like where on the green am I going to have a putt versus like. The state am the pins were a little bit different. It was it was more of like I I I played it the same off the tee, but on the approach shots, it was kind of more like where do I want to putt from? Where's my uphill straight putt? Gotcha. That's kind of what changed between those two tournaments. But obviously, was doing everything really well at the state am. Like I hit it really well, I drove it really well, and my chipping and putting was probably the best. That's probably the best short game week of my life. So far. So that helps a lot.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny that I'm I'm just thinking about it. There's a little bit of a parallel between what Dylan Minetti did at the Northeast to what you did at that state am. And I guess going into that final round, I mean, I know you, you, you closed it out. uh, Gosh, what was it like four birdies in the last four holes or something like that in the final round where just like you, you, you had it, but then decided just put the hammer down how do you approach a final round like that where, you know, you kind of have it in hand, but, uh, well, actually Cameron Tankersley was right there with you as well. But then, uh, uh, but, but really you kind of put it, put it down at the end.
1: How do you approach
0: those final rounds? I mean, do you just say, okay, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going. I just, I need to keep going.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was just sticking with the same thing I was doing the rest of the week. Um, that, The first round actually was a bad... Like, it was just kind of a bad day. I birdied the last two holes to shoot three under. Like, didn't really have it going the whole day. It was just kind of hanging in there. And I kind of sat myself down. I was like, all right, tomorrow things are going to change. Like, no expectations. You're not going to have any reaction to a bad shot because I was just kind of like, you know, feeling sorry for myself if I hit a bad shot in that first round. And, you know, I just that's I, I changed that there, but honestly like the last round um with Cameron being he was pretty close yeah. he was within a few shots and we we I mean I was going into it with the same mindset and we both started out with a string of birdies in the first five holes and that honestly was a great thing because it you know kept things competitive and like I just never let off the gas yeah like I, I never I never sat back and was like, I, know, I probably should hit this shot to make sure you know, that I make par here. It was just, I just kept doing the same process over and over again. It was yeah. extremely repetitive, but it was working.
0: Yeah. It's kind of something that I've seen where it's so easy to, like you said, so easy to fall into that. Well, I just need to make pars and let's just not lose it instead of going out to win it.
1: Yeah. yeah. you You invite, you invite bad shots when you do yeah.
0: that. So this is going to be my first time at the choo-choo. I'll be there uh, doing content. I'm really excited and 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 super impressed with, you know, I mean, I think a lot of the focus in the summer goes to you know the westerns and the northeasts and the sunny hannahs and the you know uh, north south and all and obviously everything leading up to the USM, but there's also as we've seen there's just so many tournaments in the summer that people can play all across the country. Whether I know you're heading to the Transmists and you're doing the southern. But, you know, hey, there's, you know, maybe you can't get into all those tournaments. Maybe, you know, you don't qualify for them. And there's just so many tournaments. And I know you're turning pro. This is going to be your last time playing the choo-choo. You're going to defend it uh, later on in, in 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 a few days. And I guess, you know, what can you say about this tournament that, you know, maybe a junior golfer in the area has never played it or maybe someone that wants to kind of open their Schedule up to a tournament that they've never seen before. What can you say about the choo-choo that maybe separates it from, you know, the other tournaments that you've played?
1: Um, I think the the level of competition is is pretty similar. It's up there, yeah. And but just the way that Chris runs thing runs things is really well. It's it's player focused. He does everything for us. He and he, he likes hearing your feedback, you know, because he wa- he wants it to be um, one of the best amateur events in the country and yeah. he's working really hard to get it to that goal, but, you know, offering us the, um, the live streaming, like that's something that not every event has, like that's going to be really cool this year. Like yeah. being able to, you know, people are going to be able to watch us play. And uh, I mean, that, that's something that you don't get to see every day. Um, but the, the term is just really well run. Council Fire's never been in bad shape like the golf course is going to be perfect and that's another place where the membership supports you there like people are happy to have a golf tournament there they're they're happy to give up their golf course for a few days for us to be able to play it so uh, it's it's hard not to be thankful in that situation but it's just it's just a great event
0: well i i'm excited to be there and you're right chris schmidt does i mean just following him on Twitter and following the tournament on Instagram and seeing how they're, you know, working on the golf course, seems like nonstop they're doing always doing something, whether it's with bunkers or growing the rough out. I mean, something is always happening around that tournament from what I've seen over the last gosh, four or five, six months. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a year long job, but just there's, seems like there's always something they're adding or, or working on around that tournament.
1: Oh, yeah. They're, uh, they've they made a lot of changes to the golf course, just like with some new tee boxes, like nine is going to be a really good hole now. And I, I mean, it, it was a difficult hole before, but now it's going to be uh, a next level finishing hole. Like you're, you're going to have to put two really good swings together in that final round to win the tournament. So like that's the changes that they're making physically to the golf course are amazing. So I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to seeing those.
0: Did you shave the beard because you knew you were going to be on live streaming and you've been getting a lot of TV time? Is that your strategy or, or I mean, you know what, let, let's get to the bottom of this right now.
1: <laughs> no, I just, I, I just, yeah, you know, it's get summer. a feeling and just change it up. Yeah, it was getting a little too thick, even even up there in the, in the north in Pennsylvania and Rhode Island. It was, yeah. we had a couple hot days and it's just... <laughs> It's a little too hot for it. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to save it for the winter.
0: There you go. It's a smart. It's a smart move. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. And I'll I will. Um, obviously, people listening to this podcast, there will be a lot more information on the choo choo um, as as the tournament gets closer. So people will know how to follow it on social media. They'll know how to follow the live stream. Um, so yeah, R- Fairway Films is going to be handling that. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, you, uh, I'll get you out of here uh, so you can get to, get to work. But you're turning pro at the end of the summer. I know uh, it sounds like uh, going to a uh, tour Q school, but you know, a lot of, a lot of players when their collegiate career ends, uh, they immediately, whether it's after regionals or after nationals, they, 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 you know, hit the switch and they're pro they're going to Canada. They're going to Latin state opens Mondays. They're, they're gone, but you, yep. um, but you kept, you're keeping your status for the summer And it sounds to me that it's because of these great opportunities that you've been afforded. You're going to play the Western. Um, I mean, how much are, it sounds like you're going to kind of miss your amateur, your amateur career.
1: Yeah. I've been, the amateur events are incredible experiences and the competition is just, it's at such a high level that it's, it's a great way in my mind to prepare for professional golf. Like it's these, these guys are just as good like everybody practices an unbelievable amount like it's just everything about it's high level competition wise but i i decided not to do uh canadian tour q school so my instead of just immediately turning pro and playing mondays or smaller um professional events i just and I, I talked to Coach w- about it a lot too, and w- we figured out that you know just playing this elite amateur series and a couple other good amateur events was the best way for me to just stay competitive and you know stay on top of my game. And uh, the elite series offers um core fairy starts to people that place in the top five of the the points list. So I mean that that opportunity, just that that chance to go you know play well and A couple events during the summer and get a a head start on that was hard to pass up but um just the level of competition is is really good just staying frosty over the over the summer
0: yeah well you're sitting i mean you've played in two of them and you're sitting at 42 in the ranking right now and you know you're playing transmiss you're playing southern and you're playing western So those are three tournaments that could help you move up into those uh, into that top five. So yeah, it's uh, the opportunities right there in front of you. I'll get you out here on this one before we hit before we hit the record button. We were talking about off season activities, uh, duck duck hunting. I know, I know you're looking forward to starting your professional career, but in the off season, how uh, give give me the dream scenario for you in the off season around uh, when you don't have a club in your hand.
1: Um, just like a, a specific day or
0: yeah, just give me, yeah, give me the dream day the, the, the in the off season where golf is gosh. out of your mind. I mean, give, give me the dream scenario.
1: Um, well, gosh, a dream scenario is hard to come up with because I'd be, well, I'd be doing so, so what's be your... somewhere else. But... Okay. So what's
0: your, <laughs> go, what's your go-to
1: just, just yeah. like a, a normal, a normal day in the off season for me. Um, if it's, you know, in December or January, I'm probably waking up to try and go duck hunt somewhere. So that's a 4 o'clock.
0: Wake right. up. You, you uh, lost me, but go ahead. You lost yeah, me. Okay. Yeah, I'm
1: out. Super early, super early, but ton of coffee and you know, just ride out, pick the boat up, get the decoy set up and freeze my butt off on the lake and find a spot on like T V A property or something and just drink coffee and I hang out with one of my buddies and the good thing about it is that it's so early in the morning when I get, when you, you get done at 10, 11 o'clock, you know, it starts warming up. I can still go practice. <laughs> so I could kind of knock, I could kind of knock everything out in one day, like have my fun, relax in the morning and then get a little golf in. But I tend to, I tend to go to bed a little bit earlier over the winter just because I do so much early.
0: Now, if you're, what would you? Now, obviously, you're a plus handicap on the golf course. What uh, what would you say is your handicap uh, with with duck hunting?
1: Oh, I don't know. Probably, probably a one or two, I guess. Oh, Close okay. To
0: scratch. Okay, all right. So, not
1: not definitely not a plus, but okay. um, it it depends on if the birds are here. Sure. You know, We don't get a lot of a migration in East Tennessee, but I do I do the best that I can. You know, we get I get to see a lot of variety. We get, we get some, some cool, cool species down here.
0: Who on the Tennessee golf team would you say is, is close to being your equal and then who would be the 20 handicapper that could barely figure out how to get into the boat?
1: Oh goodness. Um, I would say Kate is um, probably up there with, as my equal. Um, But he's, he's definitely, definitely, a little bit better of a handicap when it comes to deer hunting he knows okay. exactly what he's doing he's a phenomenal um bow hunter he's great um but barely getting into the boat
0: gosh um that's probably there's probably actually now, there's, I, now that i think about it, there probably isn't anyone all these tennessee boys not i don't think really. yeah i mean everyone pretty somebody, much somebody
1: everybody's everybody's seen it or done something involved with it at yeah. some point maybe maybe laurent Okay. Yeah, he's Canadian. He doesn't he's, know what he he's doing. He doesn't have the experience yet. We still, yeah, we still got to work him into it a
0: little bit. I can't believe we waited this long to talk about the Canadian on a Tennessee golf team. How did we <laughs> yeah. screw that one up? Oh, my God. I gosh. don't know. I can't my, believe that, we missed it. That's, that's, that's bad stats. He's a big guy, too. you're t- Dude, you're, you don't need to tell me that. When I'm out taking pictures at tournaments and everyone's kind of around the same size, you know, six feet tall, five, eight, whatever it is. And then that giant starts rolling up. I got to back up (laughs) to get him into the frame of the picture.
1: He's a physical specimen.
0: There's a lot going on with him. Yeah. I don't know what he shoots. I don't know what he shoots. Oh, he's the best. I don't know what he shoots every day, but he pulls at least 10 rebounds around. So, I mean, he's just, he's a monster. (laughs) Oh man. Tyler, this was fun catching up and, uh, you know, looks like you got a great summer ahead of you, you know, get to defend at the choo-choo and then off to the professional ranks. But, uh, I will see you down the road. I will see you in Chattanooga and at the Western, hopefully at the USM. And I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. And there you have it. Special thanks to Tyler Johnson for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Looking forward to seeing his title defense at the Chattanooga Choo Choo Invitational. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Instagram, make sure you're following Choo Choo Invitational And every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.